A busy morning. Glad you're here. We're talking about critical people. It's a part of a series entitled Those People, and we kind of conclude that series today by dealing with those of us, I say us, who have a tendency to be critical, and then those who are being criticized, how you can best respond. There was a monk who had agreed to join, as monks do, the monastery. He didn't know everything that was going to happen when he got to the monastery, but he felt God calling him there, and so he decided to go. When he arrived at the monastery, he was given a list of the rules, and the very first rule was that each monk had to take a vow of silence. That eliminates everybody in this room right now, doesn't it? A vow of silence. But once a year, on one of the holy days, the monks would all gather, and they could each speak one sentence, one sentence. Now think about that. If you could only say one sentence a year, what would it be? Well, his first holy day came, and it was time for him to speak, and he got up and he said, bad food, and he sat down. Another year passed. He got up before the crowd that gathered, and he said, hard bed, hard bed. Another year passed. He got up, and he said, I quit. <laughs> One monk back in the crowd said to another, doesn't surprise me. He's been complaining ever since he got here. Does that kind of categorize you? Are you one of those folks that wherever you go, you look to find fault with where you're at? You find fault with others around you? You find fault uh, at your job, at your church, in your family life? And more often than not, when you speak, uh, it's not edifying. Rather, it tears people down. Uh, there are all sorts of critics, aren't there? Criticism is, uh, well, for some, it's a way of life. For other people, it's a business. I, I want to give you five, and I didn't put this in your outline, but if you want to write these down, feel free to. Five various types of critics. First of all, there are professional critics. Uh, they criticize movies, books, uh, you can hire a person to come into your business or, or your company or your organization to be a consultant, and they'll criticize you and tell you what you're doing wrong. They make their living by being critical. I want you to know that some of you here today are candidates for that job. You'd do great at that. You'd do great. Secondly, there are people who would be your personal critics, personal critics. They look you over, size you up, and instead of saying, my goodness, what beautiful white hair you have, they say, man, you look old. Or instead of saying, how nicely your belly rounds out, they'll say, you're fat. Man, you need to lose some weight. I was at my doctor's a few months ago, and I want you to know, I'm not going to tell you his name, but my doctor is a big, big man, big man. He weighs 100 pounds more than me. That's a big man. And he told me I needed to go on a diet. 
I said, I want to go on the one you're on, buddy. Give me that diet right now. Everywhere you go, you find people who may, if they're bold enough, if not criticize your appearance, then criticize your, your actions or choices that you've made. There are no shortage of personal critics, are there? And then there are those folks who kind of just troll to look for people to criticize. You see it on the internet all the time, Facebook and places like that. Uh, people will go into a chat room. Can you imagine? Uh, the other day I saw a University of Louisville fan on a UK chat room. And that guy was just baiting people, saying stuff just to get people mad. He went out of his way to be mean, harsh, and critical and wrong. Uh, be like if I went to a Star Trek convention. I don't get into sci-fi or Star Trek. I didn't care about Spock or Captain William Shatner or whatever his name was. I didn't care about any of that, but it would be like if I went to a convention, got up and got up on the stage and said, all of you guys are idiots. This is the stupidest thing that anybody could possibly do. Some people go out of their way to be critical. I have another one here for you I want you to write down. And this is kind of the one that, that hits at me a little more than the others. If somebody is better at something than I am, that's hard to be, by the way, right? If somebody's better at something than I am, or if somebody has something that is better than what I have, if somebody, uh, you know, just, just their lot in life seems to be better, isn't it easy to get critical? And because you don't have or you don't look or, or maybe you don't have the right heart, Instead of being happy that they have something and maybe working to get something that you might want, you spend your time trying to drag that other person down. Envy comes into criticism as well. And finally, there's constructive criticism. And sometimes in, in, in this arena, we even ask for it, don't we? I, uh, I have a preacher friend who, who told me that he made the critical error of having, I, I can't remember, it was either in his church worship guide or there was a form you could fill out as you left where he asked people to evaluate his preaching. Woo, that was a mistake, he said. I want you guys to know there will never be an opportunity for you to do that here. But you will anyway, won't you? You just won't write it down. Sometimes we invite that. Every uh, Monday we have staff meeting, usually at 10 o'clock, sometimes different times. And, and a big part of what we do in staff meeting is we kind of constr constructively criticize ourselves. We talk about what we did right, what we did wrong, what we could do better, how we could make it a more meaningful worship experience. And I want you to know some of those meetings are pretty uncomfortable, especially for Kent and Chris and I, because we're the one they're constructively criticizing, and they are very good at it. And none of you are invited to those meetings either, by the way. But unless you listen to people who want to speak kind truth, 
into your life. You never get any better. So bottom line, foundational thought today is a lot of criticism is tough. And sometimes it's completely unfair. And sometimes there are people that all they know how to do is criticize. But on the other hand, if we don't look critically and listen to critical reviews of ourselves, how we live, what we choose, where we go, what we do, then we never change and we never get any better. So I want you to walk through this sermon with me today. And I want you to listen and find yourself in this sermon because all of us sort of teeter between being criticized and being critical. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong, but we're always out there making sure that we're in the game. So listen as we go through this. First of all, I want you to write this down. Everyone is criticized. Everyone has critics. Scripture makes that clear. There are several places in the Bible where the Bible speaks directly to someone criticizing another person. One place that you'll find it is in Numbers chapter 12. Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. They'd taken a wrong turn or two. They'd gotten a little testy with each other. And Moses' own family, his brother Aaron, his sister Miriam, began to criticize one of his choices. Uh, It was the choice of taking an Ethiopian wife. For whatever reason, they didn't like her, didn't like what he had chosen to do, and they began to say, we're not sure that Moses ought to be our leader if he doesn't have any better judgment than this. Anybody in your family ever tell you you married a bad wife? Anybody tell you you've married a loser husband in your family? Well, that's kind of what Miriam and Aaron were doing. Had a guy come in my office the other day, and he began to list uh, all of the faults that his wife had. I listened for about 20 minutes, and he was still going. Finally, I said, if your wife were perfect, she'd have married better. (laughs) And I expect that's what Moses wanted to say to Aaron and to Miriam when they talked to him. Another place in Scripture, in Mark chapter 2, The Pharisees, the church people, the holy ones, in their mind, were criticizing Jesus. Matter of fact, they made a sport of criticizing Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, the Pharisees liked nothing that Jesus did. He was a threat to their way of doing things. You move into a church or synagogue or or a a worship area and you begin to change things, what are you going to do? You're going to get criticized, aren't you? And Jesus was changing how people made it to heaven, how people got to God. And the Pharisees were uber critical of his every move. In the scripture that we looked at, they're mad at him because he was dealing with sinners. He was having dinner with sinners and tax collectors. He shouldn't have been with those terrible people. My friends, if you never spend any time with bad people, with unchurched people who aren't bad people necessarily, if you never spend any time with sinners, how are you ever going to win someone to Jesus? They missed that point. They criticized him. And then, this is the most amazing bit of criticism to me. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10, they're criticizing the preacher. Now, that's silly, isn't it? Is there anybody here who would even bother to do that? Amen. Amen. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. You're not going to do it here anyway, are you? 2 Corinthians 10.10 says this, and it's about Paul. His letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. In other words, he was a good writer. We've got his books and letters to prove that, don't we? But listen to this. But his bodily presence is weak. Now, that's a good way of saying he was ugly. And his speech is contemptible. That's a good way of saying he was boring. Anybody here said that about me? I want to know it right now. (laughs) Every one of us is going to be criticized. Sometimes the criticism is constructive. In Proverbs chapter 5, it tells us to be aware and alert to constructive criticism. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. But he who disdains instruction despises his own soul. And he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. What the writer is saying there is simply this. If you ignore what people are saying to you that desire to speak truth in a kind way into your life, If you pay any attention, if you think you already know everything and you don't listen to anyone, you're going to be in trouble. But if you're wise, you will listen to those who love you, who you can trust, who want the best for you. Now you say, preacher, how can I know the difference between constructive criticism and criticism that is mean-spirited or maybe even unjust? How do you know? Constructive criticism is given to help you. And if constructive criticism does not have that end as a means, if, if the folks who, aren't, who are criticizing you aren't desirous of you getting better, then it's not constructive. If they're trying to tear you down, break your spirit, wound you, force their agenda on you, Don't listen. All right. Because a whole lot of the criticism that we deal with is unjust, what would we say to God to help us through that? How do you get through mean, spiteful, hateful criticism? First prayer you'd pray is, God, help me to know how to respond. Now listen to the wording there. More often than not, when somebody criticizes me, I react. React is different than respond, isn't it? React means, well, you can say that to me, but here's what I have to say to you, right? React means you just blow up. And every once in a while that happens, right? Every once in a while somebody says something to you and they push the magic button and you just come down on them. There are some people I know in my life who I know if I criticize them, I'm going to come away feeling really bad. They're going to let me have it. And then there are others who are wiser and who who respond. Uh, Gideon received some critics in the book of Judges. I want to read this passage for you because it kind of shows you a really great way, instead of becoming fiery mad, to diffuse a situation when you're criticized. Now the men of Ephraim, Ephraim was a tribe of Israel, a a state of Israel. Why have you done this, they said. 
Why didn't you call us when you went to fight the Midianites? Now, God had told Gideon who to take, and those folks weren't a part of that. And so Gideon was getting criticized for doing what God had told him to do. And the Bible says that the men of Ephraim, if you look at that last line in in verse 1, reprimanded him sharply. Guys, has your wife ever reprimanded you sharply? Sometimes they can just look at you, right? And, 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 And if you're here, it's Father's Day. Have your fathers ever reprimanded you? Your mother reprimanded you sharply? I am glad for the changes in our culture as far as reprimanding because I got reprimanded with a switch. So, verse 2. What have I done now in comparison with you, Gideon says? Is not the gleaning of grapes in Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizer? That guy. In other words, he's saying to them, guys, you've got it good. I mean, you've got the best grapes. You've got the best food, drink. I'm making that happen for you. God has delivered into our hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. In other words, every battle I've fought, I've won. And I was able to do that in comparison with you. And the Bible says, as Gideon began to talk with them and reason with them and diffuse their anger, that they subsided, their anger subsided towards him. You see, there will come a time in all of our lives where we're going to be faced with criticism. Matter of fact, if you're doing anything in life, if you're trying to make a difference in this world, if you're doing new things, if you're headed in a new direction, if you're creative and innovative, if you change anything, you're going to find critical people knocking at your door. And sometimes they have no clue what's in your heart. Sometimes they have no clue why you did what you did or, or, or why you made the mistake you did. And they heap words of contempt and anger. And it can cause a rift or a grudge that will last through eternity. Or you can diffuse by not retaliating and responding or reacting to what they say. God helped me to know how to handle criticism. Secondly, we take it a step further. God helped me to know when to dismiss invalid criticism. Now, I don't know if you guys are this way, but if I hear 50 compliments and one critical word, what do you focus the most on? Yeah, that's what sticks in your mind. I don't know if it's that we expect praise and when criticism comes, it startles us. I I, I don't know if we just want to be liked so much. If, If there's one person who comes to us and says, I really don't like what you're doing. I really don't know why you've made that choice. I think you're stupid. Maybe they're really blunt that that sticks in our minds more than the praise that we get. But somehow or another, that's human nature. The Scripture speaks to this in First Peter. Who, when he was revealed, reviled, excuse me, 
did not revile in return when he suffered, speaking of Jesus. Criticized more sharply, probably, than any human who's ever lived. He did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. You see, when you study the Gospels and the story of Jesus, you see one thing that comes screaming through those stories. Jesus came and lived and ministered underneath the authority of God. He came entirely to do what God told him to do. Criticism, fiery darts, even his own disciples denying and betraying, other folks who who did everything they could to thwart his ministry, Jesus never stopped doing what God told him to do. Now listen to me. If you're a people pleaser, if you're a people pleaser, and no matter where you are in life, whether it be ministry, whether you're at work, whether you're retired, that, that characteristic still is there. It still is there. And you do everything that you choose to do with one thing in mind. I want people to like me. I want people to love me. I want people to think I'm wonderful. I don't care how hard you try and how perfectly you follow that plan, there will be some joker out there who will find something to criticize, right? And if your life is lived to please people, you will constantly be depressed. If your life choices are made to make other people happy, you'll find yourself miserable, miserable. And so many times, I see it in churches, I see it in our daily lives, people determine, I am going to live in such a way that I'm going to elevate the opinion of people over what God wants me to do. You live to please an audience of one. Amen? And I want you to know this, every mistake that I've made in life, counted them up the other day, they're up to 17. (laughs) Every mistake that I've made in life was made because I wanted to please people or maybe please myself rather than God. Once again, it's the sin of idolatry that you place the opinion of people over God's agenda for your life, that you try to please people rather than God. You elevate people over God. Jesus never did, did he? Even unto the cross, he never stopped following God's will for his life. And I want you to know, the closer you walk to God, the more you listen to him and try to follow his plan for your life, the more different you look from the world, the more the world is going to criticize you. And some folks, even as a part of the family of faith, will criticize you. Expect, if you're doing something significant, to be under constant attack from criticism. Now, I really like to talk about those two things and not so much this next thing because this is tough. 
Fact is, we all need to pray this simple prayer, don't we? God, help me to overcome my critical nature. I'd really, really rather criticize the critics in this sermon, but that wouldn't be enough, would it? Because as we sit here today, if we're honest, we know that we have sinned that same sin, haven't we? We know that all of us in, in our, our lives, in our families, in our businesses, in our work, it's very, very easy to get a critical spirit. Very, very easy to be someone who really doesn't get involved but wants to make sure that those who are busy are told how to do it right or what they've done wrong. I think back about my own life. I'd really rather talk about you guys, but I don't want to call anybody out. I think about areas where I've been a stupid critic. Most of you know at one point in my life I was married, and now I'm not. There are a lot of reasons why that happened. I want to say that most of them are none of your business. But I want to tell you that when I first got married, I grew up in a spotless environment. My mother was not Mr. Clean. She was Mrs. Clean on steroids. Uh, if, If something was dirty in the house, she had to get back there and clean it or she couldn't take it. I worry about her and her dementia now living in my house. If she were to wake up and come back to her senses really close, she'd be mad. (laughs) And then I got married. Coming out of that environment where everything was clean, and when I sat down to the dinner table, a perfect meal was cooked. Living 20-some years that way had schooled me to believe that's what a wife and mother ought to look like. So I got married, and I didn't marry a clean freak. I married a person you had to dig her out of a pile of stuff to find what you wanted, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe your house looks that way, and I'm sorry for talking about it. And instead of being smart enough not to make comparisons, and instead of being smart enough to be an encourager, Guess what I became? A critic. I've raised four kids with mixed results. (laughs) And I look back across the course of my fatherhood, and I've been a pitiful father at times. Instead of loving them when they'd made mistakes, punishing them for sure, but loving them, I got pretty critical at times. And then when something looked like what had happened before, I'd bring it up again and again and again. There were times I literally tried to fight them out of trouble. There were times I tongue-lashed them. And it's really, really easy as a parent, isn't it? to find more fault, to offer more criticism than praise, more harsh words than love. Professionally, I've been a critic. You know, sometimes I guess folks in the church think that criticism goes one way, that they can criticize the preacher and the staff and that kind of thing, but every once in a while I'll sit around and criticize you guys. 
Rarely. Rarely. And no one in specific. But I've done that. I've criticized other denominations. Those people are crazy. How could they believe that? Why do they do that? Why do they come knock on my door and wake me up and talk to me about stuff I don't want to talk about? Why is that church so weird? In fact, I've distanced myself at times from other people because they didn't believe what I believed and criticized what they stood for. This is a tough one. I don't always revel in the joy of another church doing well. Matter of fact, I keep thinking, why would they go to that church when they could come here? You know, I drive by Seven Hills. Everybody drive by there? And I look at all those cars there. I see people parking on the interstate and jumping the fence to get over there. (laughs) And instead of saying, isn't that great? Those people are hearing about Jesus. I think, why don't they come to Burlington Baptist, the right church? And when churches are doing well, other churches begin to criticize them, don't they? They're softening down the gospel. You know, I really criticize TV preachers. I watch Joel Osteen every once in a while. He comes out to that former basketball arena, and there seems to be 15,000 people there every Sunday, and his hair's curly and parted just right. His teeth are pearly white. His wife is beautiful, and she talks as much as he does sometimes. And I'm thinking, what in the world do people listen to all that for? I, I criticize what he says and does. But I wonder if my critical spirit comes from the fact that his audience is bigger than mine. You see, it is so easy for me and you to find fault. Matter of fact, you can do that all day. You can do it your whole life. I know some folks who, uh, who are way up in years, and they've been busy criticizing from day one. Criticizing. Finding fault. You can find it. if you, you don't even have to look for things you don't like. They'll come running in your door, won't they? You don't have to look. And you can spew venom and poison your whole life. You can tear people down. You can attempt to destroy what God's doing in someone else's life. But you'll be a sorry, sad, miserable human being if you live in that spirit of negativity, if you can't find good and you can't compliment, you can't praise, you're not going to like heaven. You won't have anything to say in heaven. The mute button will be in place. So it seems to me today we have a choice. It's easy to criticize. You can stumble into that. It's tougher to praise. And when criticism comes your way, you can either heighten it or you can diffuse it. So I want to encourage you, church, 
to listen to the voice of God, to speak softly when critical, to speak louder when you praise, to find God's plan for your life. And I doubt it's to be a professional critic and to understand that sometimes when people are at their worst, when they're at their lowest, they need to be lifted up rather than stepped on. Praise God. Praise God for people who come to me every day and offer encouragement, who say they're praying for me. Praise God for people who offer up a kind word, a compliment, maybe even when I don't deserve it. Praise God for people who speak into my life and begin to look like the image that I have of God. See, I was blessed with a wonderful father. And when I grew up, and I know this is not true for many of you, but I grew up comparing my father with God. And I praise God for his presence in my life, for his influence. And there are some of you folks, when I'm around you, I know I'm in the presence of God. Because you always help me. Even when you say tough things, you always help me. And that's the kind of people, encouragers, ministers of blessing that God calls us to be. Pray with me. Father, we come to this time where we respond to your offer. There are those sitting in this place today who are not sure of their salvation, who are not sure that they will see you in heaven. And so I pray, first of all, that every person here would come to faith in you. I pray for those who are far from you today, who, who, who are so troubled and broken, maybe so beat down with criticism, so hurt. They find themselves desperate, depressed, wounded, empty. Father, I pray for peace and hope, a hope that only you can give. For those of us who have been harsh and mean and critical, Father, I pray that you change, change us completely. Give us a new spirit, a new heart. Father, whatever needs to happen in the lives of your people today, you bring it to bear. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? I want to invite you to come to the altar for prayer. I invite you to come share a decision God's laid on your heart with me. I invite you to the communion tables on my left and right so you can say thank you as you pause to remember what Jesus did for you. He gave his life for you. That matters. It matters for eternity. So share in communion today if you'd like as we sing.